Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. This morning's scripture comes from Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to, dis, to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Morning, y'all. How you doing? Cold? <laughs> Sleepy? Uh, my name is Brittany. I'm the pastor here. It's good um, that you, uh, it's good that anybody woke up today and trudged outside. Like the, you're like an Arctic explorer, so welcome. Uh, let us start today uh, with prayer. God, I give you thanks for the witness and testimony of V. And I give you thanks that you are stirring and moving in each of us to, to share our testimony the way that you are working in our life. Open our hearts to the scripture passage that we might catch a glimpse and a vision of your reign that is breaking in. Help us to see that reign and live and work to bring it into reality. In your name we pray. Amen. So I've had some conversations this week with college students. It is, you know, many, many of you all just finished the end of the semester. And it, I, I shared this story with somebody this week. It caused me to remember, like, when I used to be a college student. Um, I ha and, and finals and all of that. I had a class that, um, on the first day of the class, the professor showed up and he said, You've got your textbook. If you read through it, when you come to your final exam, it will be an open book test, and you can use your textbook 
to re, you know, to answer all the questions. There will be, will be nothing in your final exam that's not found in that textbook. For class, I don't need you to show up. I don't expect you to show up. Um, we will use it as a time for me to experiment and reflect on my dissertation work. And so I'm sure I'll probably see most of you at the final. And for those of you that want to show up, you know, we'll see what we discover. It's a pretty open invitation to not to, to cut class. And yet, the 20-year-old Brittany went to every single class for all 16 of those weeks, twice a week, 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, what was I thinking? How many of you guys would have done that? Okay. Maybe once a week, somebody said, yeah, dip your toe in a couple times a semester just to see how it's going. I confess to you, I, y'all may not know this about me because I try really hard to not be that way and I feel like it's a continual journey path, but I love order. I love, uh, I'm actually looking at Ellen here who has been, uh, she's an administrative whiz and I love her because she keeps everything ordered and then I know what to expect and I know what to do. I love um, routine and I love um, like having the expectations and knowing what they are and then being able to meet them or exceed them, right? Like, oh, I don't need to go to class. I will and that will, you know, make me look really good. So I, there's that part of me, and then I think, uh, thinking about my 18, 20-year-old self, there is, like, fear that was at play in the midst of those decisions. And that fear was a lot of things. It was, it was fear about, um, like, maybe I would miss something about how to teach math, and then I wouldn't be a good math teacher. It was fear um, about, like, if I didn't show up, maybe my classmates would think I was a slacker. Apparently, I didn't have the fear that if I did show up, my classmates would think I was a goody two-shoes. I, I only had the fear that like, they might think I was a slacker. It was fear that here I was, my parents and I were investing financially in something, and this fear that I was taking that for granted, and I wanted to like honor my education and do everything. Like, I had this sense of like righteousness, like wanting to do the right thing, you know, and to, to be the right thing. And so all these, this fear um, kept me following the rules and to go to these cla this class after class after class. And as I was reflecting on our scripture passage this week, that story came to mind because I think Joseph might have had a little bit of that fear too. That desire, he's, he's described in the scripture passage as a righteous man. And I think it's that desire to be righteous is to follow God's way. To know here is the law that God has given to us. And I love God so fiercely. And I want God to know how much I love God and how much I fear God. Not in a like I'm scared out of my mind, but like reverence. How much I fear God. I want to I do all of God's commandments. I want to follow the law. Right? And the law at the time, so here's Joseph trying to do this, and the law at the time would have said that if somebody committed adultery, they should have been stoned to death. And so here is Joseph trying to live by the law, honor God, and he discovers that the woman to whom he is engaged to be married is pregnant. 
Now they were not le- they were not they were engaged, but in in that time in society, that means basically they were legally married but not living together. So there there could have been no pregnancy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Unless the Holy Spirit got involved. And so to follow the law meant that, that Joseph had to publicly claim that she was pregnant and cast her out, and, and she would be disgraced and probably stoned to death. And yet, within Mary, well, and so yet then we look at Scripture and it says, he was a righteous man and he was unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace. Now, when I've read that before, I felt like those went, to go, went together, like being righteous meant that he was unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace. But I'm realizing that they actually don't go together, right? He was righteous and he felt this pull not wanting to expose Mary to public disgrace. Do you feel that pull between, between the law, following God's commandments, and between love? I'm not talking about... Um, Erotic love, I'm talking about filial love, agape love, love of God that says, this is a person who maybe made a mistake. He doesn't know, right? He just knows she's pregnant. This is a person, and I, I cannot be responsible, and I do not want to see her cast out and killed. This, this pull, right? I want to honor God, and God says this, and I have this love of God in my heart that does not want to hurt a fellow human being. The law and love. Last week, um, I got an email from Trent, who um, has been coming. Hi, Trent, who's been coming for a couple weeks. Everybody can look back at him, or a couple months. And um, he shared with me a newsletter from his former church tradition. The article was written by um, a former friend of his, who... um, in, in Trent's former church tradition, uh, when someone leaves the community or when they're expelled from the community, there is to be no contact between the former community and the people that have left. And um, this article was written by a woman, one of Trent's former friends, who felt this like longing to know all of these former sisters and brothers all of these friends, these dear ones that she had loved, this desire to know what are they up to? Are they okay? This love, really. And yet, um, she had the law of the church telling her they're done. The law of the church also prohibits Facebook. And so this woman, though, thought, you know, I hear the world's on Facebook. I'm going to just create an account real quickly, log in, see if I can find any of these former dear loved ones, and then, then be done with it, slip out, and nobody will know the better. Do you hear how she's kind of in this Joseph tight spot of law and love? In this article, the woman eventually confessed to, obviously, because she's writing an article for the national denomination, Uh, she eventually confessed what she had done, that she had logged on to Facebook and created an account and checked up on some of her former 
people that she had been friends with. And when Trent shared the article to me, he said that it was an article that he observed was full of fear and bondage. And I think he's right. Fear and bondage between these two things of law and love. The woman shared that um, she feared uh, for these people in many ways that had been cast out of the community. She feared for what she called her self-willed actions against the church to disobey the law of the church. She feared um, that, that her friends were not in the safe confines of the church community. Do you feel this pull? It's just like Joseph. And so she confessed and, and basically gave thanks to the church for their law that she could obey. But I'm not, I, I don't want to condemn um, a sister in Christ who is struggling to, to find that balance. But I th- when I think about Joseph, he, he tried to find this middle way, and I think she was too. Like, I'm going to try to obey the law and try to obey love and kind of, you know, quietly dismiss Mary, quietly log on to Facebook. But what happened to Joseph is an angel came to him and said, you can't do this middle way. You've got to choose. And this angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear does not, Glenn Ann Doyle says it this way, fear does not have to be where you set up camp and live. Don't be afraid, Joseph. You were born for such a time as this. Life is full of uncertainties, and it's easy to react out of fear, to step back or to try to choose something that appeases both of this law and love. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to follow the heart of the law instead of the letter of the law. You see that difference? Don't throw out the law, but don't be afraid to, sh- to choose the heart of the law. Don't be afraid to choose Mary and take her as your wife. The angel seems to be saying, don't be afraid to do the very, very thing that absolutely terrifies you and will bring about public disgrace. Don't be afraid to do that. I'm sure there's nothing that God is calling you to that will absolutely terrify you and bring about public disgrace. Or maybe there is. Our word today from God is, do not be afraid to choose love. See, Joseph is at this crossroads between love and law, and the angel calls him to choose love. It's the last Sunday of Advent, which has been a time of preparation for the birth of the Christ child, for the Messiah, for, um, for remembering that God is with us. And every week we have been lighting different candles. On the first week we lit the candle of 
what it would light? Peace? And joy? And hope? And today, as we reflect on our scripture, as we hear the words of the angels say, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, we light the candle of love. Knowing that God doesn't call us to throw out the law, but to live in the love of the law, to choose love, to choose God with us. So, um, a couple of years ago, I was writing on the CTA, as one is prone to do in the city of Chicago. It was a hot summer day, and um, there was a man on my train who started to do a dice trick. You know, that happens every once in a while. And it's technically against the law. You can actually even see it's like no eating, drinking, or gambling. Right? And uh, he was kind of loud trying to get people to come in, and I was kind of annoyed. Uh, and so I just kind of tried to turn my earbuds up a little higher and hoped that I could have a relatively peaceful ride home. And then there was this man who was standing near me. He was a man that knew the law. He had read that sign. And he used that sign, that law of no gambling, to become extremely hateful. Extremely hateful with the um, dice man. You know that button that you're supposed to push only in an emergency? The law-abiding man pushed that button, which makes the train stop. And then the CTA driver said yes, and he's like, there's a man that's gambling on here, and I need you to call the police right away. And so that delayed the train. We pulled into a station, and we had to sit there and wait on the police to show up. And it was in that moment that fear had its way with us. None of us on the train stood up and testified to love, myself included. I'm a preacher of the gospel, and I just sat there. None of us stood up to say, to speak to Emmanuel, to, to say God is with us, to, to, to say to the dice man, God is with you, to say that you are loved because God loves. And as we were waiting at that train station, this law-abiding, hateful man said to the dice man, you know what? The police are on their way to take your ass to Cook County Jail. And you know what? I'm going to take the day off of work to testify against you. And you know what? You are going to rot in jail in those silver bracelets. And then an angel of the Lord 
came to a woman, maybe it was in a dream or maybe it was through her earbuds. And that angel must have said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to say something, to speak to love. And so she stood up to that hateful law-abiding man with these prophetic words. Chill out. (laughs) And Emmanuel showed up. Or actually, Emmanuel was already there, but we suddenly had the eyes to see. Y'all, this is what Advent is. This is what we have been preparing to see, that it's already here, that God is already with us, preparing preparing us to live by the heart of the law and not the letter of the law, preparing us to choose love. Because God has already loved us and already chosen us. Thanks be to God.